Sisters Talk Brothers is a spoiler-filled podcast about the TV show Supernatural. Music credit goes to Hans Adam and their song in the Creative Commons called Paint the Sky. Driver picks the music, Shotgun shuts his cake hole. On with the show. And hello, world! Hi, world! Welcome to Sisters Talk Brothers, a show where two real-life sisters discuss battered and bruised baby boys in bizarre scenarios, family style. That was like an alliteration, and I love you. That was literally an alliteration, and I love you. (laughs) (laughs) So, Hannah. So, Kendall. Season two, fresh and new. We, we're here. We did it. We're here, and we're queer, and we're ready to, uh... Fear. Fear? I did (laughs) jump this episode. I did jump. When Yellow Eyes clapped his hand on John, I was like, oh god! (laughs) Actually, I was more like, oh, come to here! (laughs) That's what my wife says every time she gets a little spooked. Come to here! Which apparently is... Korean for, oh shit, <laughs> I'm scared. It made me think of uh, Kawaii, not Kawaii, but Kawaii, you know, when it's scary. Oh yeah, the Japanese. Scary. Oh, Kawaii, it's so kawaii, scary. Kawaii, Kawaii, Kawaii. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hannah. Kendall. I don't know how to segue other than to say, well, Hannah. <laughs> it's a good segue. We are going to be spending the entire... Well, almost the entirety of this next this episode in a hospital. And this hospital experience is a pretty bizarre one for Dean. And for Sam, too. And you know what? This might be a unique hospital experience for John as well, in a lot of ways. So I wanted to ask you, what is a weird hospital experience you've had in your life? Well, let's see. Like, I, I've been in the hospital, like, almost... All my life, a lot of my life, I've been in the hospital. So I have a plethora of stories at my disposal. But in instead of, like, breaking confidentiality and all that, I'm going to tell a story that's both wholesome and weird for me specifically. Okay. Because I've been in the hospital so many freaking times. But the one and only time I had a visitor, it was my best friend Ashley and... It, it was so weird for me because I'm used to being in the hospital alone or you and mom visiting me. So for to have a friend come and see me in the hospital, it was so bizarre because I, I'm, I'm used to kind of dealing with my things uh, by myself or with my family. And so it was weird in that sense, but it made me really happy. Aww. What were, you, what were you in the hospital for that time, if I can ask? I'll cut it out if it's too much. Oh, because I'm crazy. Oh. Okay. Well, you're not. The technical term is... Um, Neuroatypical? Men- 
neuroatypical and they they don't like for you to call it the crazy place or the psych ward or the nut house uh, they prefer the term behavioral facility oh that is a very nice way of putting it yeah so is it okay if i leave that in or yeah okay. yeah, yeah yeah that's cool um so what did you and you said it was ashley mm-hmm what did you and Ashley do with your visit? Were you all awkward and like, so, um, you just sit there and I sit oh, here and we stare at each other? <laughs> like, like, I, I knew that she was coming because, um, she had called me the night before and told me that she was coming. And so for the first few hours of the next day, I was telling all the nurses, I was like, if you see the most beautiful girl you've ever seen in your life, that's my best friend. She's here to see me, and I'm so happy. Aww. And so, like, she gets there, and, like, we talked so much about our plans after we got out. And even though most of those plans never, you know, happened, it was it was very uplifting for me to make a plan. Yeah. Make a plan with one of my best friends, you know, her being supportive and there for me. It was great. Oh, that is very wholesome. And I guess and weird for you, for me. very weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any weird hospital experiences, even though you're not as experienced in hospitals as I am? I'm not as experienced, no. <laughs> uh, I'm practically a hospital virgin. <laughs> um, the thing that I thought of was... Uh, my first serious allergic reaction. Mm -hmm. My throat started closing up and, you know, the first time that happens, you tend to freak out a little bit and want to go to the hospital, you know? Uh-huh. And so I had taken Benadryl while I was still able to swallow because you could feel it coming, right? So by the time I yeah. got to the hospital and was able to be seen by, I don't know, it was a doctor, nurse, somebody official... It had already started going down, so there wasn't a lot for them to observe and, you know, diagnose, which is the story of my medical life. Like, oh, I have this thing. Oh, you're not doing it right now. I know I'm not doing it right now, but it's been <laughs> happening. I'm sorry. I can't make it just happen on command. So true. So true. <sighs> anyway, so they were like, so what caused your allergic reaction? And I said, well, the last thing I ate before this happened was a grapple. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not funny. I love you. It's a hybrid. Somebody took the seed from the grape and the seed from the apple and smushed them together and made a fruit called a grapple, which I haven't seen since then. So I'm guessing... Nobody really liked it. Or I'm, I am also crazy, and I have just created this fruit whole cloth. Imagine, imagine a whole new fruit <laughs> to be allergic to. And so oh, Lord. when I told the staff I ate a grapple, the, the looks I got, <laughs> and even after I explained, oh, it's a hybrid between a grape and an apple, like, you know, people are getting a little wackadoodle with fruits and veggies these days, which I completely support. Let me be clear, I do not think if this were a real fruit, it was not the fact that it was a genetically modified fruit that 
caused me to have allergic reaction. I have since then learned that there's something, some preservative that is sprayed mm. on and fruits and vegetables, and there's some sort of preservative in like some dairy products that causes me to have reactions. So now I'm just really good about washing my fruits and vegetables, and I'm really good about avoiding certain dairy products that stay fresh for a suspiciously long amount of time. <laughs> well, yeah, like I break out in hives a few times a year, and I've never been able to pinpoint any correlation. I just deal with it. Yeah, I've, I've been able through a long series of many allergic reactions, <laughs> I've been able to figure it out. But yeah, so I tell them, oh, it's a hybrid between a grape and an apple, a hybrid between a grape and an apple, and none of these fuckers had heard of it either, so they just give me a look of, okay, so you came to us with pretty much okay, saying you ate a fruit that doesn't exist, <laughs> and are showing <laughs> symptoms that don't exist in you right now, alrighty then. Oh. Yeah, so... I felt, I didn't feel like a ding-dong, <laughs> but I felt like everybody around me thought I was a ding-dong, and that doesn't feel good either. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So, I was like, yep, okay, well, I'm just gonna go back to uh, my bed, because it's late at night, and I'm not gonna have any more grapples as a midnight snack. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was my weird hospital experience. I love you so much. Yeah, I love me too. I love me too. It's... Whew. All right. That might be the funniest this episode gets. <laughs> <laughs> because we're about to dip into some equally weird, heavy. equally weird, but pretty heavy hospital experiences. Hannah, are you ready to just... Dive into the deep end with me. I'm a pretty good diver. I'm not the best, but I'm pretty good. Actually, I take that back. I haven't done any diving since I was like eight. It doesn't matter how well you dive. What matter matters is how well you swim. Yeah, I, I, I can do that. Can you do a little doggy paddle? I'd much prefer to swim like a frog underneath the water. Lifeguards used to yell at me for doing that. They were like, you have to doggy paddle because you're a child and I need to see your head. And I'm like, but I swim better. Underwater. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, let's... I'm ready. I'm okay, ready. all right. That's what matters. Let's froggy-style swim our way into Season 2, Episode 1, In My Time of Dying. Kendall, did you know In My Time of Dying, mm -hmm. um, which is a beautiful title, oh, it is. is actually the name of a Led Zeppelin song? What?! I totally did not know that. I totally didn't have that song playing in the background as I was typing up notes. Yeah, you're real cute. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's actually a pretty nice song. It is. I just didn't expect you to know classic rock. Well, I don't, but the Wikipedias do. Okay. All right, the recap features Bobby. Mary's scream is awful and not in a good way. We have clips from every plot-relevant episode of Season 1, ending with the T-boning with the truck and the Impala, and blah. And blah. I jump, even even then. Even in the recap, I was just like, <laughs> oh. This was a pretty decent recap, though. 
It was. It was. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, and it one of the best because I feel like it's like yeah, yeah. That's pretty much what happened. Thanks. This was everything you needed to know to pick up right where we left off, and we get our yeah. we get our very first then and now. Yay. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was really starting to feel like supernatural, you know. It's like, all right, this this is the good stuff. <laughs> Take a hit. <laughs> this is the good shit. <laughs> so we come in exactly where we left off while There's a Bad Moon on the Rise is playing. So hallelujah. I don't think Netflix is fucking with me anymore. Maybe not. Maybe not. As soon as I heard Bad Moon on the Rise, I was like, oh, that's that's the right music. I, re- I remember that music. It's supposed to be there at this time. That's not cheap music. <laughs> that means it's real music. Yay. <laughs> it's real music. It's real music. We see the trucker exiting their vehicle and just ripping the door off the Impala. And I love that Sam's eyes snap open as soon as like the trucker's doors slam. Like, oh, yes, you're on your shit, Sam. And we see that the trucker has black eyes, ooh, which follows up on the recaps reminder that there are more and more demons walking among us, so well done, them. And Sam threatens to use the last bullet on this fucker, and the demon doesn't want to risk it. So he exits toot sweet, which I notice he exited through the mouth, and in the last episode, Devil's Trap, we saw most of the demons get possessed just by going, ooh, my eyes are black now. Until Azazel was shot, and Azazel exited via the mouth in a cloud of smoke through the floorboards because demons need cracks. Demons need holes. Demons need holes. Cracks are just long holes. <laughs> it's just a long hole, really. Um, <laughs> well, like, okay, so Dean, or not Dean, Sam threatening... To shoot the demon with their last bullet. And, like, at this point, yeah, he probably would have shot him. Like, I'm nearly dead. My family is nearly or probably dead. Like, fuck it. <laughs> Get the fuck away from me. Yeah, I will kill you. And the demon doesn't want to risk it. But, but my point was, um, I just had a question about when demons exit via the mouth like that. Uh-huh. Are they actually visible? Like, could a normal person who does not know about the supernatural see this black smoke? Or is what Sam sees just the trucker leaning his head back going, Ugh, okay, I'm normal now. That is an interesting point. Because... I have honestly never considered that. Because we saw both... So, throughout season one, we didn't really see the black smoke. It was made to seem like the black smoke is invisible to the naked eye. And that the demons like to enter through the eyes instead of the mouth. But starting with the very last scene-ish in Devil's Trap, we start seeing demons exiting via the mouth. And from there on out, we see demons entering and exiting through the mouth in a cloud of smoke. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I, I, wanna, I don't think demons well, are invisible. I think they're not invisible. They can't go through walls. They need long holes. And... They just can't pass over salt <laughs> unless they count every grain first, which takes too long. I think they changed up their mythology. Um, no, they never change their mythology. They just adjust the mythology, <laughs> <laughs> which means season one is still canon. 
I mean, it would be interesting if the black smoke was simply a visual for the viewers. For for the viewers, it would be it would be really weird if everybody was just walking around going ah, and there's no black smoke. Yeah, imagine being in the supermarket and you just see a cloud of black smoke around you, above you, and you're like. That's weird. And then the smoke descends on a person, and you just see them lean back and like give a really big yawn as the smoke enters their mouth, and you just go, huh, okay, and walk out about your day like that's just normal. Like it's just <laughs> natural. But you are so right. The the demon realizes that Sam literally has nothing else to lose. Because at this point, Sam has prioritized family over revenge. We saw that switch last episode. And so the demon gets the hell out of Dodge and we're left with a justifiably horrified trucker man and a freaked out Sam. Poor guy. Did I do this? Oh Oh god, that that broke my heart for him. Like he's got no dog in this race. We've, we we so very rarely get to see the reactions. The aftermath. Yeah, the reactions of the humans to the aftermath of what the demon did through their body. Mm-hmm. And so that they took even a second to show that, I really appreciate it. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, this might be my favorite episode of season two. We haven't even rewatched the rest of season two yet. <laughs> this might be my favorite episode of season two. Alright, well, we'll see. We'll see. Anyways, in a really cool scene and in some timey-wimey stuff, it's now daytime, and we see the Winchester's helicopter to safety and Sam continuing his freak out. Are they even alarmed? Oh. What Sam should be freaking out about is how much this is going to cost and how to get enough scam insurance to cover this. Because that was my first thought. I saw the helicopter coming down, and I was like, ooh, that is expensive. <laughs> This does take place in America. We cannot afford yeah. that helicopter. <laughs> Hunting does not pay for this. We cut to a hospital, and Dean is waking up, and he's doing the whole, ah, I got cotton mouth, blah, thing. And <laughs> Dean is naked. Just t-shirt what? and oh. pants. <laughs> I was like, and what those. <laughs> You were really sad because you just watched the wrong episode. <laughs> it's like, what is Netflix giving you that the DVDs don't give me? Gosh. <laughs> hey, it's Netflix. I get that rated R version. <laughs> no, he's just in scrub pants and maybe some underwear underneath. But this is a hospital. There's no underwear underneath. And well, like, a t-shirt. What shocked me is that he's in like the scrub pants and a t-shirt. When he should be in a hospital gown. That's all I'm saying. I know. I was like, when did they take the time to put a plain white tee on him? <laughs> and that must have been really hard. Oh, oh, if you think about it, if you think about it, the Dean in the hospital bed is wearing a hospital gown. Uh, but Dean's spirit, <laughs> Dean's spirit wears scrub pants and a t-shirt. Because Dean's spirit... <laughs> Is naked. <laughs> and this is his version of naked. Yeah. Man, how different would this episode have been if Mr. Ackles had been required to just go around in a hospital gown, just ass hanging out the whole episode? 
<laughs> and all the jokes he could have made about like this is really uncomfortable. <laughs> I just want to get back in my body. Oh man, how many ghosts haunt hospitals that are just walking around flashing all the other ghosts? Oh. It no, it must. Dude, he would he would make a free balling joke. Yeah, and it's just it's the new normal for ghosts. He would pop out. You know, his body would die. He would become a vengeful spirit. He would see all the other ghosts hanging around and be like, "Oh, we're all free balling. All right, well." I guess I just have to get used to this. This is my new life in the afterlife. Oh, he'd start hitting on the uh, the dead girls. Oh, that's just sad. But yeah, he would. Oh, my lord. <laughs> Anyways, so Naked Dean goes exploring, and he's looking for his brother and his daddy, but there's nobody around. Like, seriously, nobody around. In a county yeah. hospital... Zero people to be found. What the fuck? So, Dean goes down an empty hallway, down an empty stairwell, and he goes up to a lady at a reception that is just devoid of people because nobody needs hospitalin, I guess. And he's like, I'm looking for my brother and my dad. I think there was an accident. And she just ignores him. And, in fact, she ignores him so hard that Dean immediately knows this is not natural. Women don't just ignore me. I'm too pretty. They always trust me because I'm pretty. So, I'm guessing his room was originally down the main hallway that he was already in. And he just went upstairs exploring and then came back down. Because he runs down the hall and immediately finds his room. And he's looking down at his body hooked up to a breathing tube. And we... The viewers go, oh, it can't be. And the title scene hits us. And it's got the mama flames going, fiery orange. And the A in Supernatural turns into a pentagram. Nice. I want to take a moment to talk about this scene. Um, Absolutely. Let's talk I, about the scene. I actually have um, some bad dreams that are kind of like this. Um, like just being in an empty hospital um, wandering around, nobody, and so that, for me, was pretty scary, and I, it, it would be so scary to wake up like this, no one around, and then you find somebody, and they don't see you, they don't hear you, and that is terrifying. Yeah, I can imagine that would be really, I've never had a dream anywhere close to that, but... I have a lot of weird dreams. And apparently a lot of hospital dreams, because apparently you have spent the majority of your life within a hospital, which yeah. people listening who don't know us are going to be like, oh man, she grew up at a hospital, she's that cray-cray? No, no. No, she has, I'm also diabetic. Yes. <laughs> she, but she has spent most of her life out of a hospital. Let's not get it twisted. You just go to the hospital like on occasion. a third occasion. of my life. A third of that, my life, maybe. Hannah, you have... <laughs> Like, still, you have still almost 26 years under your belt, correct? Yeah. Okay. Can you honestly say that you have spent, I'm really bad at math, hold on, like seven years? I mean, if, if you... Have you spent put, almost six and a half years in a hospital? No. Okay. No. No. Okay. If you, if you put all the time consecutively together, maybe not even a year, but... Maybe one twenty-sixth of your life has been spent in a hospital. <laughs> Still, for like for like most people, like the amount 
that I go to the doctor and spend in the hospital is more than the average person. No, yeah, you're you're more than the average bear. I'll give you that. So it's perfectly normal that I would dream about the hospital. Perfectly normal. I just don't want people to think that you've been locked up since age two. <laughs> How is she even recording this podcast? Wow, she sounds like like she's really got it together for somebody who was, you know, <laughs> chained to a bed for most of her life. I don't. I tend to exaggerate, but there. Actually, all of our listeners are just really proud of you for having, you know, gotten this far and are able to, you know, work <laughs> with I'm your. Proud of me for getting this far. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, I'm doing really well, considering. <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we all? All right, all right. Let's. This, epi- this, is a- this episode's already going to be long. Let's not make it longer than it has to be. <laughs> Fine. No, 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 no. That was supposed to be a joke. Oh, I hurt your feelings. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. You did not feelings. hurt my feelings. It's Kindle. Oh, your little baby Zizzy feelings are all hurt. Are you done? Homestar one <laughs> <laughs> Strong bad. Strong bad. <laughs> I'm really curious as to how many listeners are actually going to get that reference. Like two? Two, maybe. maybe. Listeners, message in if you got that reference, please. (laughs) (laughs) All right, transitioning. Into the show again that we're supposed to be doing. So last we saw, Dean was freaking out because he just saw his his corpsey his corpsey face. Sam walks in, I suppose seeing Dean for the first time, and confirms for Dean that he is invisible. However, Dean insists that one psychic person is just like the next, and surely Sam can hear him. Missouri could Maybe. hear me if she were here. <laughs> A nurse comes in to let Sam know that John is awake now, and incidentally let Dean know that he's even alive. This is rather bizarre, considering John is the one who took the brunt of the hit from the 18-wheeler, and maybe they should have had Dean in in the front seat to make all of this a little more believable, but we can suppose that the majority of Dean's injuries are actually demon-related rather than car accident-related. You know, that's pretty true, because um, Azazel was, like, melting his organs. That's all I can assume, because Dean started bleeding through his pores? (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah... I mean, that's some intense hemorrhaging if blood's coming out through your freaking pores, man. I'm honestly surprised that in the next scene when they kind of list Dean's injuries, the first one isn't, it's amazing he's alive because all of his internal organs are mushed. Like, literally Mm -hmm. everything inside of him is bruised and tenderized. But yeah, his brain. Yeah, the brain's the, that's the big one. Man, that, that yeah. car wreck did more than any demon ever could. Wait, what? Did I just say demon? That's weird. I'm the doctor, still talking. <laughs> Not Kindle giving exposition. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the nurse who is actually a doctor tells us that Dean is tremendously fucked up, especially in the head region. So badly, in fact, that it's a miracle Dean is even alive and they should all prepare for Dean to die. Dean doesn't take this news so well and is suddenly wishing he had a preacher in a muddy field hitched to a reaper. Go find some hoodoo priest lay some mojo on me. Sam goes to visit Papa John, who is making insurance rain down upon the hospital. 
While insisting that Dean isn't going to die, he uses the same phrase about preachers in muddy fields as Dean did so that we can know what a special connection these boys have. Can I just say real quick, though? I noticed mm. after Sam said... I don't know, I'll find some hoodoo priest and lay some mojo on him. The whole preachers, fields, reapers, whatever. He gave this look off to the side of like, why did I just say that? I think there's something supernatural going on. No, no, no. See, see, Sam doesn't have ghost abilities. He's got demon abilities. He just has such a connection with Dean. Like, they're like, um, what is the word I'm looking for? They're supernaturally connected? Um, what's the word for siblings? Uh, brothers? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Um, they're like, they're sibling soulmates. Ew. Like, not romantics, not, fuck, listen to me, not platonic. romantic, not, not, yeah, they're, they're platonic sibling soulmates. Papa John tries in an extremely roundabout way to prepare Sam for John's death, and Sam's not having it, even using the phrase, sitting around with our thumbs up our asses. Ugh. He's especially upset when John, huh, what, yes? Sorry, I included that because... He said that, and it was one of those times, you know, when you hear something, and suddenly your brain is like, wait a second, that's a phrase. Why is that a phrase? So I actually spent a solid 20 minutes trying to find the origin of the phrase, sitting around with our thumb up our ass, because that just sounds kinky. Yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, why? why is that a phrase that's just so common that a child would say that to their parents? Like I don't, I, like I would, I could see, I could see myself saying that to our mother if that was a phrase I ever used, and it not being weird. But that's really weird because you're talking about putting, putting a thumb, putting digits up orifices for fun, which is the which is the politically correct way. <laughs> it's the medical <laughs> way, I guess. Like, you're doing nothing because you're just having too much fun with your thumb up your bum? <laughs> that should be the phrase. Thumb up your bum. Thumb up your bum. We're just sitting around thumb with thumbs, thumbs up bums. our bums. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted all of our listeners, and you especially, just to, just to ruminate on what a bizarre so tell phrase me, tell me is. What, no, I could Tell me what you learned. I, I, I didn't learn anything. That was the problem. What? I did research, and... When you search, like, etymology, it just, it won't tell you the origin of the phrase. I couldn't find the origin of the phrase. Maybe there's a special website that is all origins of phrases, but I didn't find it. So I don't know where yeah. the phrase, sitting around with your thumb up your bum, came from. <laughs> that also rhymed. Well, I, thanks for nothing. I'm just, I just, I, I got so curious, Kendall. I was like, oh, I'm going to learn something I, today. I wanted you to know my pain. I know your pain. But anyways, so... Sam's Sam's mad that they're just all practicing, you know, Don't. safe, consensual self-love. <laughs> Gross. Can you have non-consensual self-love? Uh, sleepwalkers could. I guess so. <laughs> Go on, Hannah. Continue the show for all of our Sam. You did sake. this to my brain. I would have never... <sighs> Okay, Sam is especially upset when John asks after the cult. John tells him to go clean out the car and get the gun, and Sam is like, boom, bitch, Bobby is already on his way. So Papa says, 
Good job, be safe, and oh yeah, please give Bobby this grocery list. For reasons. Before leaving, Sam asked if John knew what the demon meant by having plans for Sam and the other kids. Papa John says no. His face tells us that maybe he's lying, and the camera pans around to Dean watching the whole conversation, thinking exactly what we're thinking. <sighs> oh, it's just so choice. The way the camera pans around and then changes focus from John to Dean, and the boom, like, ah, oh, it's so good. It's so powerful. I love, I love, 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 love that Dean is there for this. Like, oh, he knows, and I love it. But freaking, um, one, Sam is better at research than John. That's all I want to say. That's all I was, I just wanted to point that out. Um, and John, John gives this little smirk when he's like, I have it covered. And I'm just like, you smug bastard. You, mm, nothing. I think, though, at this point, he already has the plan. He doesn't want the cult for, like, he's already decided. I think. Oh, I, I know this. I'm just mad at him. I'm. I'm, I'm on the fence. Like, I, there are things I'm mad at him about, but I'm not mad at him for, because I'm not mad at him for his choice in giving himself up for, well, giving the cult up for Dean. I think in this moment, he's actually a father for the first time. He's been chasing this revenge. This cult is the one way he can get his revenge. He's essentially giving up his revenge because at the end of the day, his son's lives matter more than revenge. And that's good. The bad part is the fact that John is doing what John always does, which is not telling the whole story to his sons. Mm -hmm. You know, just do as I say. I don't want to bother explaining myself. I have a, I have a rant coming up later, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut right here. All right, all right. Sam, who's already ahead of everything, goes to meet Bobby at the junkyard. And we get to see our first... Very truly wrecked Impala. Poor baby. Mm, poor, poor baby. baby. I had poor baby in my notes. Everybody has poor baby in their notes. Who can see that and just not think, oh, poor baby. Bobby's like, nope, scrap it. But Psychic Sam knows that there's future in this car. He's already seen the finale of season five he's like there's gonna be a whole segment dedicated to this car gotta <laughs> save it also this is the moment when we see that the dell is demolished bye bye laptop r.i.p hmm. oh god you remember those commercials dude <laughs> you're getting a dell <laughs> man <laughs> it's been a hot yeah, minute yeah, since i've seen a dell advertised that's faux show uh, yeah, true. Anyway, so Bobby's arguing, you know, there's literally, it's going to cost more than it's worth to even touch the car, let alone haul it, repair it, blah, blah, blah. But Sam basically uses the Impala as an allegory for Dean, and Bobby is smart, and he picks up quickly on this. And so he's going to take the Impala at least until the next episode, right? And right, so. but hey, Bobby doesn't quite know what the Impala means yet. Not just to Dean, but to Sam too. And you know it. We all know it. That this, this, the Impala, of course, you know, is Dean's baby. But for the both of them, it's been their home. So it it does mean something to Sam too. It really does. I'm just saying. I don't think though that the Impala means as much to them until this episode. 
Or really yes. after this episode. Because we saw before yes. that Steve wasn't really taking care of the car. Like, he liked the car. It meant a lot. It was from his dad. It's the car they grew up with. But I think after this mm-hmm. episode, this is when they start, and they lost their father. That's when they start to really recognize the Impala as the thing they have left of their dad. The good memories of their dad. Because the, the journal is hunting in bad memories. The car is probably good memories of songs being sung together on the road and meals shared in the car and, you know, times they played. Like, the the car comes to have good memories for them in the wake of their father's death. So I think it's after this episode that the car really comes to mean something for the boys. And I think Bobby in this moment... I agree. Yeah, Bobby in this moment realizes this car isn't just a car to them, at least in this moment, this car for Sam represents Dean. If the car can survive, Dean can survive. So Even if there's just one working part. Oh, and this really calls back to uh, Dead in the Water, where Sam has the line, people don't just go missing, people stop looking for them. Mm-hmm. You know, like Dean, Sam very much has that attitude of, you can't just give up on people. And that's beautiful. That's pretty darn pretty. So, you know, after all this heavy stuff has been discussed, (laughs) they move on to discussing Papa John's grocery list. And Bobby's like, um, I do not think this means what you think it means. What you think it means. (laughs) (laughs) But before we can get a quite before we can get an answer to Sam's questions, we go watch Papa John visiting with Dean's future corpse. And John's just sitting and staring, contemplating, I'm about to give up all my revenge for you, son. And in the background, Dean's like, why aren't you doing anything? And pleading for help and thinking that his dad doesn't love him because all he sees is the lack of action. He doesn't know that, one, that John is about to trade his revenge for Dean, and they both don't know that John's about to trade his soul for Dean. So, uh, it's just heartbreaking. And at some point during Dean's just wrenching tirade, he hears a rumbling sound. And he goes to investigate, especially once he realizes, ooh, that's something only I can hear. I need a moment. <clears throat> Miss, I'm going to pause you. Uh-huh. I'm going to take it by my sandwich. Good. Good. You have time. <clears throat> Dean pleading to John from across the veil just breaks my heart. Exactly. What the hell kind of father are you? Fucking John Winchester, ladies and gentlemen. I bet you Sam would have found a way to heal Dean without handing over the cult, without uh, John dying, without a demon deal, but fucking John Winchester would rather rip a hole in the only life that they've ever really known on his kamikaze, which doesn't do a damn thing, but make things horrifically worse. Alright, I'm done. Chewing. That's fine. He just... Because Sam... Sam would have explored every option. Like, all we see in this episode is him looking through the journal. But there is so much more out there, supernatural-wise, than what John has in his fucking journal. And John, he... Oh, he doesn't even take the time to consider other options. He's just like, my son's dying. I have the cult. I'm going to trade the cult for my son's life. Which, hell, that's great that you want to save your son's life. 
but it's a fucking demon you're dealing with, so he ends up giving over his own soul, and I'm like, you were leaving yourself out of your boy's life. You were their only beacon in this hunting world right now, and you're just throwing it all away on your fucking kamikaze mission. <sighs> I agree with you on one point, because... I think the boys do learn from this, and this is why they always insist the other is honest about when they are wanting to do a kamikaze mission, because they both remember this time that John didn't tell them what was going on, this time mm -hmm. that John didn't tell them what was going on, and because of that, they lost a family member that maybe if they had been working together, they could have found a different solution instead of each doing their independent thing and going nowhere. Mm -hmm. However, I don't think John was acting rashly from his point of view. From his point of view, there is more that's supernatural out there that's in his journal, but he, in his experience, has come across nothing that says you can fight death, right? And John knows that this isn't a supernatural thing Dean's facing. He can't protect, protect him from the natural, you know? And in John's experience, things like the hoodoo priest in the middle of the muddy field are one in a million, like he says to Sam. So he's racking his brain, and the only option he can think of, because he doesn't know about how to access angels and ask for favors, he probably doesn't know that their bloodline is blessed and destined to become swords for angels. So he's working with the only thing he knows will definitely work. It's a huge risk, and that's why he doesn't want to tell his boys, because he doesn't want them to stop him from saving Dean's life, because that's what really matters to him here. And I don't think Sam would have found an option, because like I said, like yes, he was able to find an option from Dean's natural cause of potentially dying in Faith, but again, that's a one in a million. In the future, they have to pull in favors from gods and angels and and other demon deals in order to fight death. In fact, at one point, they make deals with death to fight, <laughs> put off their own deaths. And neither none of them are at that level yet. So I get the anger, but I also think from where they are at right now in their understanding and their access to the supernatural, this was the only option available if they wanted to save Dean. You're right, but I'm still mad. That's fine. You are absolutely allowed to be mad. D John still should have said, Sam, I want the cult because I'm going to trade it for Dean's life. And then they could have had that discussion. But that's not really John's way. So it was actually very in character for John to be like, I just need the cult for reasons. <laughs> I know. But back to Segway. Dean. But back to Dean. Dean's following the rumbling past all the disinteresting hospital staff, and he sees a ghost just healing its way into a room where a woman is dying. And Dean is unable to help her as she passes away. He's just like running hands through her face like, I'm trying to help you, but I'm incorporeal. It means I don't have a body, so you can't kill, I, they can't talk, oh. Yeah. Goes to Christmas past looking ass. Yep, yep. Anyway, so she passes away in a hospital, alone in a room, with the most oblivious staff ever, and Dean is sad. I just want to 
let you and the viewers know that uh, I was this far into the episode when my roommate Brett uh, thought to check for subtitles and ring-a-ding-ding, boys, I'm in. <gasps> Season two of my DVDs has subtitles. En français? No, in English, man. <gasps> en anglais! Yay! <laughs> right? I'm so happy I had to mark it in my notes. You're with the cool kids now. I am. <laughs> I'm so cool. So, what happens after Dean realizes there's some spectral spirit just healing from room to room? Well, Dean finds Sam and yells about how they have a hunt to do. Yay! Family bonding. Through the veil! Sam can't hear. <laughs> Through the veil! Uh, Sam can't hear him because he's pissed at Papa John about his grocery list. Ah, uh, whew. Sam informs us that Papa John wants to summon a demon, not be protected from one. And Sam figures it must be because Papa is mad and that they didn't get to kill the demon earlier. They begin fighting. Sam is yelling, it's, Sam is yelling it's just obsession over a demon. And Papa John's yelling that it's for Dean because he doesn't want to reveal his real intention because then they really wouldn't let that happen. <sighs> Dean is dying and you have a plan. <sighs> I'm sorry, how many times is Dean dying and Sam has a plan? Fuck Sam. Fuck John. Fuck the Winchesters. No, 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 no. (sighs) Meanwhile, in the background, we have a flashback to Salvation and an exhausted Dean yet again stuck in the middle of their arguments. Ghost Dean can't physically shove them away from each other, so he does the next best thing and uses his emotions to knock a glass over. And we saw a vase fall right off the table. By itself. Um, he's all, dude, I full-on swayze that mother. Like, God, I love Dean so much for breaking that tension because, like, I couldn't even make notes on Sam and John's argument. Mm. Like, I was just so like, oh, my God, can you, like, not right now? <laughs> and, and Dean, like, he just, whew, gave me a breath. Well, again, it's a... A moment where you are in Sam's, not Sam's, you're in Dean's shoes at that moment. And you feel Mm -hmm. the stress of these people are fighting. And I don't need this right now. What what also struck me about, like, not not just this scene, but the whole episode is that Dean already has a lot of spiritual power. Like, I know it has to be focused, of course. And he, he doesn't, he hasn't been a ghost long enough at this point to focus his spiritual power. But the fact that... Just, what, a few hours of being out of body, he's already able to smash glasses and speak audibly, even if only to Sam, but to make that connection, like, already very powerful soul. Kudos to Dean. Just saying. Moving on. (laughs) The glass causes the living Winchesters to pause because they know what the fuck that this might mean. In this moment, the rumbling starts again, only this time accompanied by the worst period cramps Dean has ever experienced. (laughs) His ghost form begins to shift in and out as commotion happens around real Dean's hospital room. And right here, like, hunting is just in his blood. It just, it, it just is. I mean, we know that, but it just is. All right. Are you feeling overclamped? I mean, I could use a, a medicine. <laughs> well, while Hannah is overclamped, let's move on. Sam is watching on in anguish as this incompetent staff is trying to resuscitate Dean. 
But just then, Ghost Dean spots the same Healy ghost hovering over his IRL body. So he does the natural thing that all hunters do, and he just tries to pull the ghost off. Hey, it's incorporeal. I'm incorporeal. Maybe incorporeal can touch incorporeal. I'm smart because <laughs> I know the word corporeal. He learned it from Sam. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> you booty right, face. Dean's smart on his own. He so is. He's a freaking engineer, man. Oh, yeah. So Dean's ghost gets repelled, but Sam is able to hear the echoes of Dean's demand that the icky ghosty get off his body. <laughs> yep. The recording program decided to just eat whole segments of my audio. Luckily, usually when Hannah was talking, but here, right when I was telling amazing jokes, something about how all psychics are made the same because Sam was able to hear him, even though Sam doesn't have ghosty psychic powers, I don't think. And then something about Dean running off to find Tessa. And it was great, and it was beautiful, and it's no longer here. Coma. Ah, actually Beautiful Tessa. Tessa. Sorry. And this is actually, like, a really calming experience for Dean. Because this whole time he's been freaking out, but now he has another person to take care of while he hunts this ghost, so he's able to focus on them instead of his own predicament. He's in his zone right now. Yup. Sam goes back to Papa John to explain, you know, that Clash is knocked over, and then while they were resuscita resuscitating Dean, say that six times fast, resuscitating Dean, resuscitating oh, Dean. Oh, pause. Can Dean. we step back for a second? Can I finish the sentence? Yeah. Um... Nope, never mind. I lost my train of thought. All right, pause. What are we doing? I'm sorry. Um, when Dean was talking to Tessa, and he was trying to explain, you know, what might be happening to them, and he was like, uh, an out-of-body experience, because she was like, I gotta be dreaming, and she was, he was like, have you ever heard of an out-of-body experience? And a lot of cultures talk about this. And we both have subtitles, so fetches. Did you catch that at all? Mm-hmm. Kindle, please tell me you looked into this. Dean, stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> it's never going to happen. Did you, nope. did you look into it? I didn't up? look into it. I didn't care. Dang. Dang. I guess I should have. <laughs> I'm not going to now. We'll all just have to wonder. I just figured it was part of the out-of-body experience list that Dean was explaining. Yeah, but I've heard of the others. I'm sorry you're not cool enough to have heard of fetch. I'm sorry, you're not cool enough to look up things I don't know. Sorry. I'm too cool to look up things you don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, do go on. <laughs> so Sam goes back to Papa John, and he's like, So, you know the glass earlier and how that's not supposed to happen? And just now, I was in the room when they were trying to resuscitate Dean, and I kind of think that maybe Dean's not stuck in his body, and he's actually kind of spectral, so maybe we could talk to him. And... He's about to go follow this lead, but Papa John stops him to promise Sam, and this is as much as John is going to give anybody, I promise you I'm not going to be hunting this demon until Dean is a hundo okay. Which is not a lie. I really, I really like uh, when John said anything is possible, because that's for damn sure. They could throw anything at us in this show, and we just roll with it. Like, guess we're doing this now. Yeah, <laughs> anything. yeah. Anything. It's a projection of the future, for sure. Tessa, 
must have been a flight attendant in her life because she's adapting to this new situation really well. Yep. She, hard cool, hard cool. <laughs> she's so hard cool. <laughs> she hardcore believes in fate. Dean, however, hardcore believes in his own scrappiness, being able to change any outcome he's unhappy with. Um, by the way, little side note, um, the PA system, I think that's what it's called, the PA yeah. system. Um, announced that uh, Dr. Kripke was needed. Yeah. Did you catch that? Yes. <laughs> okay. So dumb. The converse- Shut up. The conversation. And there's also like two. There's also Dr. Bender in the mental ward. I'm like, really, guys? It's- hey, th- they like their own Easter eggs. Okay, let them have it. It's not even an Easter egg. Well, it's shout outs. It's references. It's being- it's being self-referential. It's like, ha <laughs> Kripke's hey, a producer. We're He's a doctor. We're self-referential. That's called building a joke. <laughs> <laughs> building our brand. Exactly. That's what they were doing. Apparently Supernatural's brand is Kripke. <laughs> the conversation is put on pause when Dean hears another person dying and goes to stop this life-stealing Helier. But he's too late. A nurse gives him food for thought as she says, at least she's not suffering anymore. And then looks almost directly to the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sam comes into Dean's room at night carrying a grocery bag. He tells Corpsey Dean, yo, I think you're in there, or I mean out here, and we need to talk, so don't make fun of me. And he pulls out a mystical talking board. I guess... Like, Ouija might be, like, copyright since... Ouija Os- is a brand, yeah. Hasbro, Hasbro bought it. Anyway. What? Hasbro brought it, bought it. What I found so funny is it's, it's off-brand. <laughs> it's off-brand Ouija. mystical talking board. <laughs> and it's so off-brand that it doesn't have any wrapping on it or any, pra- uh, like, cushioning to preserve it in the box. And it's just cardboard on the floor, but somehow it is mystical enough to work. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy, crazy. Dean rolls his eyes, of course, but participates, and wouldn't you know it, it works. <sighs> so crazy. Okay. I just love in this scene that we are reminded that Mr. Ackles is still barefoot, and we're just asked to remember that... Dean Winchester is naked in this whole episode. Um, I I like um like it warmed my heart um to see Sam smile and laugh of relief. Like, don't no. ever fucking tell me that Sam doesn't care for Dean. He's so fucking dead. Like, oh, he was so ha huh, happy. Do people, <laughs> do people say that Sam doesn't care about Dean? No, I I don't think so. Not really. Not that just. That would be a that would be a dumb theory to push forward. Yeah, well, they're they're they feel differently about each other. Um, like Dean sometimes feels more strongly. Um, with his, he he's more dependent, and and Sam's more independent. But he he definitely still cares. Yeah, people can care and love and be protective of a person without being clingy. Dean's just a cling monster. That's all there is to it. <laughs> I also loved that Dean is still using Sam as a sounding board, 
even when Sam can't hear him. Like, he's he's given the bare minimum on Luigi because, like, that's limited form of communication. But he's, like, still talking out loud, bouncing ideas off of Sam, like, eh. uh, can I, I appreciated in this scene that they get to H-U-N and Sam says, Oh, hunting. What are you hunting? And <laughs> because I was so ready for them to be H-U-N, hun T hunt oh i'm I'm really glad they did not give us that painful experience of it's h u n spelling is he gonna spelling spell it all out is he gonna spell the huns like the huns are right attacking the huns have arrived no <laughs> it's the attack of the huns in the hospital now uh, all of China will movie. know you're here Kindle Kindle let's make a b movie the hunt of the huns in the hospital please. Spectral like Huns arrive and take over our movie. We'll have a budget of $100. Let's do this. Oh, honey. <laughs> honey. $100 isn't even a B movie. That's like a Z movie. <laughs> no, it's a Y movie. Why did you even bother? <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> uh, thank you. All right. Uh, Dean tells Sam that he's on a hunt. And that food for thought earlier leads us to... Name, Name that, that monster! monster! Ah! It's Arriba! <laughs> Which, duh, Deke, Deke, Dean totally should have known because it's honestly such common knowledge that Tessa in Greek means Reaper. I mean, hello. <sighs> Oh, I love that. Wow. Yeah, apparently, uh, oh man, Supernatural Wikia, they just love to just like bombard you, whack off themselves so much. Oh, wow. gosh. Uh, apparently, Kripke was inspired by Neil Gaiman and Gaiman, Gaiman, he's a gay man. He's not, I don't think. I don't know. I don't know. Don't his judge. Life. He writes stuff. Um, and his Reaper was named Tessa, so they named this Reaper Tessa after that Reaper Tessa. But Neil Gaiman, Gaiman, probably named his Reaper Tessa after the actual Greek word for Reaper. Blah, 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 blah. Hmm. Anyways, Dean totally should have known this common knowledge. Oh my god. And since we're already feeling Greek, let's talk death in Hellenic times. Yay! Yay! Should I just continue with this voice? Uh, please. Knight, known as Nyx, had several children. Some daughters were called the Charis, and they were like some bloodthirsty bitches, <laughs> covered in blood and like getting revenge on all the like other things. I don't know, okay. But anyways, they were vengeful spirits for the violent and untimely deaths. So they were the god. Uh, they were the goddesses of you know. Oh no, you got murdered. That's so bad. We're totally not over here twirling our hair and licking our lips because we love that shit. Oh my god. Nyx, Knight. It's too hard to maintain. <laughs> Be serious. <laughs> so Knight, mommy, mommy time. Knight, Nyx. She also had some twin sons. One was named Hypnos, the god of sleep. And the other one was named Thanatos, the god of death. And hello, Thanatos. Thanos, come on, Marvel. We see you. We see I, you. 
I once had a, a, it was a kissing fish, okay, and they're shaped like a heart, um, but they're fighter fish, and so, like, you have to keep them alone, or they'll eat other fish, like betas, and I named it Thanatos, because it kills other fish. It doesn't matter, you can cut it out, but I had a kissing fish named Thanatos. Because you're so goth. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. You're, like, you're, like, super dark. You're I'm so inner dark. Cool. I'm, I'm outwardly wearing a flower skirt and a yellow tank top. But inside, it's just black. <laughs> black as Thanatos. So, the ancient Greeks, they didn't like to draw Thanatos so much, probably because, you know, he's death. And that's just, that was just too goth for the Greeks. When they did draw Thanatos, he always had, like, some beautiful wings. Oh, my God. Like, like an angel. But sometimes he was a young boy, and then sometimes he was a grown man with a beard. When I was a young boy, my father took me into the city. Sorry. To join, like, the Black Parade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're so deep and dark. Deep and dark. Deep and dark. There's a river sticks flowing deep and dark. That is beautiful, and I fucking love you. Ah. So most often, Thanatos and Hepnos, they work together to give the Hellenes a peaceful death in their sleep. From there, Thanatos would usher them down to Styx. They'd pay the ferryman. Here you go. Here's a gold coin, Mr. Man. And then the souls would be taken into Hades, the realm of the dead. And that concludes Name the Monster. monster. Ah. It is agreed that Dean is screwed because there's no way to stop death. Ha. <laughs> but Sam is desperate, which ties back to the theme of faith. Um, there's got to be a way. Um, mm-hmm. He goes to find Papa John saying... Daddy will know what to do. Daddy can save the day. Uh, but when he gets there, Daddy's gone. Donkey cried. Oh, you know what? <laughs> so for our clip show, I included the clip of John, uh, John Sam saying, oh, it's just evil. And Dean saying, no, it's desperate. I want to point out to you, Hannah, you were just saying, oh, John, it's so, like, it's so bad. No, Hannah, it's not bad. It's just desperate. I have complicated feelings. I That's absolutely true and valid. This is a very complicated feelings episode. But continue. Daddy's gone. Daddy, Daddy. Dad! We see that Papa John is dressed with a duffel bag, going into... Duffel bad? Duffel bad. Duffel good? So duffel bad. <laughs> duffel we see neutral. That... <laughs> duffel lawful? Duffel evil? <laughs> Duffel chaotic. Uh, <laughs> the new we see, alignment we all didn't know we needed. <laughs> <laughs> we see that Papa John is dressed with a duffel bag, going into the boiler room, still injured. He begins drawing sigils on the floor. Ooh. So since Papa John's not there, Sam goes back to Dean's room with the journal, thinking, hey, it's just as good as Dad, right? After all, it cares about the same amount, right? And Dean is just grateful that between Sam, his father, and a journal, at least one of them gives a crap about him. 
Reading over people's shoulders is rude, but it does allow Dean to learn the truth of the Reaper that's been stalking him, because it's motherfucking Tessa. Bitch. Tessa. Not, she's, Tessa. 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 Thank you. I got, I got a truck boat truck. <laughs> So Dean goes to confront and Reaper-splain her. And apparently Dean was such a pansy who panics at the sight of spectral beings that she had to put on a pretty show in order to get him to actually accept his fate somewhat. Mm-hmm. And in this conversation, she also references Faith, where Dean was already supposed to die. There's a lot of tie-in with oh, this yeah. episode. Ugh. Good episode. Meanwhile, in the boiler room, Papa John is breathlessly completing his demon summoning ritual, apparently from memory. So, what the fuck, John? How do you already know how to summon this demon from memory? What, what was your plan? Like, I'm going to summon the demon, I have the gun ready, and as soon as he's there, bow. Ugh. I mean, maybe this is where um, Sam gets his, like, research skills and, like, memorizing the whole exorcism. Yeah. You're right. Steen takes after Mary. Sam takes after John. Aww. Aww. And, ooh, and hunting is more in Dean's blood, like hunting's more in Mary's blood. And Sam is more like the learned, researchy side. And like the men of John letters. was actually Aww. supposed to inherit the men of letters. Yes. Sometimes, sometimes this show does it right. Mm. Often. Often, Kindle. Sometimes this show does it right. <laughs> Also, according to the Wikia, this sigil that John has drawn is the sigil of Azazel, meaning he even knew which demon of hell was being a thorn in his family's side. Hmm. Anyways, nothing happens until a janitor grabs John <laughs> and Kittle jumps. <gasps> Come check it out. Come check it out. Why? And. This janitor demands to know what the hell John's doing in the boiler room. And come on, follow him out. We're going to talk to security. But Papa ain't no fool. Mm-mm. He pulls the gun on the janitor, and the janitor's eyes flash yellow. And Marble the makeup eyes. is much better eyes. I, I may know that, too. I was like, better eyes this time than last time. Yeah, yep. Season two, we got some more money. You know, it's going doing better. But yeah, definitely still marble eyes. And then some more demon doctors walk into flank, because this hospital staff, they're so incompetent, like, and their souls are so in torment that they're easily taken up by demons. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Nothing like flight attendants, let me tell you. Nothing, no, no, gosh. You're safer on a plane than in a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Actually, I mean according to this show, yeah. According to statistics, more people die in hospitals than on airplanes. Just saying. Very true. Very true. (laughs) Because demons. So anyways, they do a little taunting back and forth before John says the magic words, I want to make a deal. Ding, ding, ding. That's the last time we'll hear those words. (laughs) Back in Dean's hospital room, Sam is sad. The journal hasn't researched any way to kill reapers, so... So that information just doesn't exist in the world for Sam and Dean yet. Little does Sam know, he's talking to an empty room for once because Dean is going through the 16 stages of I don't want to die with 
Tessa. Ah. Ah. Lots of great soldier war battle talk happens here. Dean is being stubborn, but Tessa explained that his attitude is what creates angry spirits who hurt and kill people. Peeper. Just sleeping <laughs> with her papers open. Ah. Tessa explains that his attitude is what creates angry spirits who hurt and kill people. Fodder for future hunters. Um, I, I do agree with Tessa. Like, I love her whole speech. But then we wouldn't have this amazing show. So, hmm. I mean, it was never going to happen for show reasons, but I mean, it she, doesn't invalidate any of her arguments. Because, like, like we see Dean's point of view. You know, yes, you know, he needs to stay for all of this, but it re- she, she really puts it in perspective for us as the viewers. Because you think of all these soldiers who have fought battles and been intertwined with angels and demons and oh my and they all feel like they're they're important when mm-hmm. when life really does go on i mean our, our what we are supposed to take away from this show is to always keep fighting but i also love that it has the flip side of this that sometimes sometimes death just, happens sometimes death happens and you have to let go because holding on is what makes angry spirits. Like, the very thing they hunt all the time. Ugh. It was it was a really good scene. And they'll revisit that with Bobby in future seasons. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, very good. Like, keep fighting until, you know, until you can fight no more. And then accept your fate. Yeah. Yeah. Down in the basement, Papa John was going to give over the Colton bullet for Dean's life. Marble Eyes agrees it's a pretty good trade, and they try to sidetrack the conversation by bringing up Sam and how John does know what has been planned for them, but how PJ has been keeping the truth from Sam. PJ doesn't like where this conversation is going, so he tries to force the trade again, which Marble Eyes doesn't accept because they have something they want more than the gun. Ooh, what could it be? Uh, It kind of irked me (laughs) where uh, Azazel was like, uh, you killed some people very special to me. And I'm like, no, he killed one person very special to you, or Dean did. Um, Meg is fine, but I guess he doesn't want them to know that she's fine. Like, she was just exercised. She's in hell. That's, <laughs> she very, didn't that's die. very true. That's very true. Also, this made me think of the difference between uh, Azazel and Crowley. Because I feel like Crowley would have been like, he killed some demons that were very special to me. <laughs> But Azazel is very much, these are people that were close to me. I don't know, I don't know if that's a difference in Azazel and Crowley's personalities, or if that's a difference in the show and how the show sees itself and sees the, like, does the show currently still see demons as people? (laughs) The difference between Azazel and Crowley is Azazel cares about his underlings, Crowley cares about his suits and his hellhounds. I mean, the man's got his priorities straight. (laughs) So we're back with Tess and Dean. Tessa and Dean, sorry. And Tessa is comforting Dean through the final stages of, What the fuck is happening to me? And just as Dean is probably going to make his choice, the lights start flashing. And black smoke comes out of the long holes in the vents. (laughs) And Tessa gets deep-throated by a demon. Good lord, woman. 
and she turns around, and her eyes are marbled. Tells Dean, it's your lucky day, kid, and slaps a hand on his head. And we, the viewers, know Papa John made a deal. Uh, so to be clear, demons can possess reapers. At the very least, they can if it's for a deal. Any demon or high-level demons? Good point. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I say I don't know. I just mean I don't remember. Do you remember? (laughs) I'm not thinking today. Okay. (laughs) Hear that, listeners? Her brain is off. Don't ask any questions of her. (laughs) Uh, All I can think of is Tessa and Meg. Ooh. Ooh. Now that's some fan fiction. I will... I would take smut. Hey, you know what? Listeners, I would take the smut of that. (laughs) You know what? What a pair. What a pair. What a pair, what a pair, what a pair, what a mighty good good pair. pair. They're so diametric. (laughs) (laughs) So Dean's corpse comes to life with an impossible breath with a tube down your throat. And Sam's all help. And this doctor is super flabbergasted. As Dean is like 100% healed, basically. And he says that Dean must have an angel watching over him. Ha, 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 ha. <sighs> oh, this show. Dean, sadly, has no memory of his time as a ghost. More's the pity. But Sam tries to fill him in. All Dean has is a really bad feeling. Hmm. And just then, Papa John walks in to check and see if his deal worked. And Sam immediately lays into him about not being there for Dean. Mm -hmm. And Papa John tries to call a truce and is nearly in tears as he's like, I really don't, like of all times, this time, I really don't want to fight. And it knocks Sam back on his heels. So Sam quietly agrees to go get some coffee for his dad when John asks for it. Hmm. I'm still mad. You can be mad, but... It doesn't invalidate John as a human with feelings and thoughts and rationale. Still mad, though. I'm saying yes, you can be mad. Okay. Okay. Alone with Dean, John finally tells him how much he loves him and admits to how much he has failed Dean as a father. This time, Dean believes him, but he still checks when PJ says he's so proud of Dean. It's really him, but he has one last thing to say to Dean. But the same thing... He's always said to Dean, watch out for Sammy. Dean knows something is going on, even says, you're scaring me. But as ever, Papa John won't show his full hand, just tell him it's okay. But also, hey, let me lean down and whisper something in your ear. (laughs) Hey, little mama, let me whisper in the ear. Sorry. (laughs) It's a serious Um, moment, Hannah. (laughs) I had to relieve it. I was, I was getting sad. Whatever he says causes Dean to give him the what the fuck look and not another word is said as the message that was whispered, settles in. John walks out the door and sets the colt down and says, okay, to a shadowy figure. Sam walks back with the coffee cup, which slams to the ground as he sees his father collapsed on the floor. We cut to the doctor and the staff performing CPR as the boys watch on, and they call the time of death, 1041. Um, I don't know why, but I've always loved that scene, um... With the coffee cup that lands mm-hmm. flat. Like, it's a beautiful shot, despite the tragedy that's happening in the background. The, the tragedy being a boy losing his father. His asshole father, but still. I just love that they were probably like, Okay, now here's a shot where the coffee cup clatters to the ground and you go run to your dad. 
and behind the cameras, they probably had already planned to make that scene go silent, but they had to because in the background, the camera people are going, oh my God, you see just this perfectly flat. That's so cool. What a beautiful shot. Oh my God. Yes. That's what I, like, I'm pretty sure that that did like, there's also the possibility that they had to do it like a bunch of times until it landed perfectly. But I prefer the scenario where they were yeah. like, okay, just drop the cup and run. And he does. And they're like, holy shit. <laughs> they're like, that was beautiful. So beautiful. <laughs> <sighs> also, uh-huh. I want to keep track mm-hmm. of uh, keep track of how many episodes until they finally reveal what was said. Because goddamn, what a tease. Such a tease. Also, how many episodes between this one and when they figure out that their father made a, a deal with the devil? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, they, they, they probably learned that before learning um, what John told Dean. I feel like. I feel like. That's that's right. my theory. All right. Place your bets now, folks. Place your bets now. <laughs> so, I want to have some questions. We don't okay. usually do a post-episode questions portion, but this one, I had questions that didn't feel right to discuss in the moment. Hit me. So, in both Faith and this episode, Dean is dying, mm-hmm. but his attitude is very different this time around. When nothing is on the line, Dean's willing to accept his death. When family's on the line, he can't die until he knows they're safe. Conversely, as we see in the very truncated storyline in season 14, Dean is willing to commit a version of suicide to protect not only his family, but the entire world. Now, granted, in Faith, he was okay with dying because nothing was on the line, but also they were still hunting the demon. He would have still been leaving... Sam alone, but I guess this was before they had that line from Bobby saying, there's a war going on and your family's in the middle of it. So maybe during Faith, Dean didn't realize the severity of their situation. But still, understanding Dean and how he chooses things. His motivations. His motivations, etc. What do you think Dean would have chosen here? Death or ghost? I think... I I thought he was leaning towards death. Yeah, I... I, I, I'm pretty convinced that she almost had him. She almost had him convinced like he would have gone had they not been interrupted. Do you know why? Because the actress who plays Tessa is just so peaceful. Yeah. Just listening to her talk, it's like, oh, it just soothes the soul. Like, okay, yeah, I'll just go with you. It sounds so nice and relaxing. Yeah, and that's part of her job, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying they cast well, okay? Yes. It's okay. Mm. I, but, you know, I think she really got him with that line, you'll become the very thing you hunt. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had two more questions. Mm-hmm. Second question. In the conversation with John, Azazel said, no, I can't bring De- Dean back, but I know someone who can. But then when we see the demon possessing Tessa, it's Marvelize. So was he just lying to John? No, Did he had he- to use Tessa... To bring the soul back. Oh. I mm-hmm. didn't get it. Okay. Yep, yep, He yep. borrowed the Reaper entity to use the Reaper powers. Ah, oh, got it. So, um, how come Reapers aren't more protected than that? 
Yeah, this is something that I was curious about because in this episode, demons, or at least high-level demons, and at least under a deal, they can possess Reapers. But we have an episode, maybe four or five? I'm not going to guess because I'm always wrong. But there were demons interacting with Reapers. And I think they had one kidnapped, chained up. Right. And at no point that I can think of has a demon possessed a Reaper on screen. Reaper, not Raper. My my, my words got a... I'm my pretty accent. sure demons have possessed some Rapers, yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So yeah, there, there's your answer. But also, it, it kind of makes sense because demons want to cause pain and misery and... A lot, of, most often, pain and misery is caused by people dying, not by people staying alive. Right, staying so, alive, staying alive. Ah, 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 ah. Demon got your wife. Demon got your wife. <laughs> All right, thank you for answering that for me. Last question. Mm-hmm. Azazel changed the deal, and John agreed to the deal. Mm-hmm. Is there something Azazel could have asked for that John would have said no to besides Sam? Because I don't think John would have sacrificed Sam for Dean. But is there something else that John would not have been able to give up? Because um, when you up the ante from cult to your very soul, and <sighs> do you think he hesitated? Um, I, I think, like, I don't think he would have been very surprised by, you know, the demon being like, you know what, I want your soul, too. Um, oh, you think he had a feeling that was going to be an addendum to the deal? I, I think... He would have considered it like like that might be something that the demon would want. Like just facing the demon. Like the demon could just, just kill him because he can. Um, so I thought, I think that him facing the demon at all, he was ready to die. Like that mm. was always an option. Um, so no, I mean, of course there may have been a second thought because, you know, as human beings, our primal instinct is to survive. But right. as a parent, your primal instinct is to protect. So I think that would have won. But who, but who knew John had that instinct in him? Right? <sighs> it was there at the end when it counted, I guess. Mm. Eh. All right, well, Hannah, this episode was filled with something. And you know what that something was? Supernatural. Oh, well, yes, it was filled with the supernatural. But it was also filled with themes. So I got things. I actually kept it theme light because I felt a lot of the themes would be discussed in the discussion of the plot itself. Yes. Which, okay, I'll start. I think the biggest theme was desperation to save a family member. Defying death, basically. Um, I had... There's got to be a way going to any lengths to save someone. Yep. That desperation, which we'll see so many times throughout the series that it's kind of uncountable. <laughs> um, my first theme was Dean calling Sam for anyone. And, and, and when I say calling, I mean like when he, you know, woke up in spirit form, like the first person he called for, called out for was Sam, not John, Sam. I think a lot of that, though, is his first instinct is to check on Sam first. Mm-hmm. John's an adult who can look after himself, but his first job is to look after Sam. Uh, yeah, to that point, uh, watch out for Sammy. That's an ongoing theme for sure, Aziz. Mm-hmm. 
Oof. I have the theme of spell work. Oh, yeah. Get a little witchy with it. Yeah. Get witchy with it. Da, 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 yes! Da, da, da. <laughs> I was about to say that. Uh, we have our very first demon deal. Hello. I have, I have that theme. I have that theme. And I love the whole, he made a deal with a demon. Oh, my God, that's unthinkable. Why would you ever make a deal with a demon? Three episodes later. <sighs> All right, I'll make a deal with a demon. <laughs> And then uh, after that, it's like every three episodes. Oh yeah, let's make a deal with demon. It's no biggie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I had a theme of John's journal. Oh yes, the journal was there. Very it good. was. It was definitely there. It's becoming its own entity at this point. Mm-hmm. It's its own character. It's its own character. Mm-hmm. And it also does not care for Dean. <laughs> it's a Reaper episode. I didn't have Reapers. I didn't have I'm sorry, Tessa. I'm sorry, Tessa. Yeah, it's our first Tessa sode. It's our first Tessa sode. Tessa sode. <laughs> Do you have anything else? I had a theme of pretty monster. Tessa sode. <laughs> Tessa sode. Oh, I, all right. I had one more. You want more? All right, give it to me. Family case. I mean, because, uh, one, obviously, you know, the Winchester family. But, even yeah. with Tessa and her illusion, had a worried mother. Yeah, yeah. But you're right, it's very rare that we have a case where there are no other people really involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was just them versus death. <laughs> they fought the death and the death one. <laughs> <laughs> What do you hate about this episode? I, of course, hated John Winchester. He is honestly to blame for all of this. Granted, it was Azazel's or Lucifer's design, but he made his choices. Okay, very fair. I think this episode gives me a lot more sympathy for John. He's still an asshole father who neglected and abused his children and he doesn't really redeem himself but in this moment i felt his love and his worry and his fear and his grief yeah i i only had like a couple of brief moments of sympathy for john like i honestly spent more of this episode angry at john than any episode we've had so far and I think that's my own personal issue, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hey. 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 Hey, what, hey! What did you hate? I hated the fucking hospital staff! Oh my gosh! <laughs> People just passing out on the floor left and right, and because nobody's doing their fucking job, nobody sees these people passing on the floor. That nurse did not need to die. She was like, I can't breathe while she's still breathing. Something I mean, could have been done. How long was I John just like that sometimes? <laughs> you get you get used to it after a point. You're like, oh, okay, I'll just wait then. <laughs> Middle of the day, and there's nobody around. And they pan outside the hallway, and there's people just standing around outside the hallway, just talking, and no hey, can't hear I'm this. Dying woman. over here. <laughs> this terrible hospital. They probably was like, call the the trucker. I was like, I'll call for help. And Sam's like, call the cheapest hospital. 
Ugh. <laughs> uh, what did you love, Hannah? I loved Tessa. No. She really, she really had Dean there at the end, and I'm convinced that she doesn't usually have to work this hard to get a soul to move on. Like, she's really good at her job. She is. I think she does this a lot, and that's why she's so good at her job. <laughs> love her. Love her. Tell me what you loved. I'm just happy you loved a female character, my gosh. Hey, I love Meg. <laughs> uh, I and love... I love Amy the Sagittarius. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I I loved Sam. He was so Sam and consistent throughout this whole episode. Yes. I loved him snapping awake in the car and being alert to the danger that was approaching them. I loved the look he gave when he was repeating the mojo line. Like, oh, what's... That feels... That was weird. Why did I say that? The overwhelming concern he has for his family. Because he didn't choose this life, but he does love his family. He's going to be there for him. How he didn't choose this life, but he is good at this life. He's already ahead of what John's going to tell him to do. And, you know, how he almost doesn't even realize his own... uh, reasoning like the reason why he wants to keep the car is not because of the car but because of dean and he doesn't even realize why he's doing it um and then the biggest thing was i love this episode because that because when you watch this episode you can sympathize with all three of these characters so intensely yeah and i think that's more perfectly illustrated with sam and john because we've seen them fighting throughout the first season and I usually hate misunderstanding, uh, miscommunication dramas. Yes. But I think here the writers used Sam so effectively to show John struggling to protect his sons one last time. Hmm. And it, and they used Sam to do that. And I thought that was really beautiful. Sam just being his childlike self for a little while longer thinking that everything is normal i'm just gonna fight with dad and in him fighting with dad we see through john what's really going on Mm. ah i love 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 this episode it was so good i mean if all i have to say bad about it is like little nitpicky hospital things (laughs) i mean like i i love sam and dean throughout all of this they're they're plays of emotion and and of course like the acting the circumstances of john's character like i have my own issues right with him and his choices but very powerful very dynamic all three of them and Mm -hmm. and and tessa was like this this unbiased party to their situation and i just found her refreshing she was kind of like the calm in the middle of a storm Yes, that is that is why I loved her. She like she was like, whew, a relief in this and all this. You liked the calm. I liked the drama. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been trying to work on my calm lately, so that's why I like focused on Tessa. That makes sense. That makes sense. We all need a little calm in our lives sometimes. But you know what? We're not gonna calm down, Hannah. We are full steam ahead. Tell me what's coming up next time on Sisters Talk Brothers. 
next time on Sisters Talk Brothers. Season 2, Episode 2. Everybody loves a clown. No, they don't. Are you excited, Kendall? Are you excited? No, I don't. Sam and Dean listen to a message on John's cell phone from a woman named Ellen, guest star Samantha Ferris, and decide to track her down. They are shocked to discover Ellen runs a roadhouse that also serves as a gathering place for hunters like themselves. Meanwhile, at a small town carnival, a demonic clown is persuading children to let it into their home so he can murder their parents. This synopsis was brought to us by Drifa Baljet. Sorry if I mispronounce your name. It's a beautiful name. From imdb.com. From imdb.com. Thank you, imdb. <sighs> I really thought this was a season one episode. I cannot believe that it's attached to the roadhouse. Like, why is it our first time seeing the roadhouse and it's the hunting plot that I hate the most? <sighs> Like, I, I remember there was, like, this one person working at the carnival that, like, made Dean, like, really uncomfortable, um, like, turning Dean's words around on him, and mm-hmm. Sam was, like, not helping at all. Um, of course, I remember this creepy clown, and, like, I'm, I'm not one, I'm not just, like, afraid of clowns, but... But it's gonna be fucking creepy though. But clowns like in it, clowns like who was it? Jeffrey Dahmer? No. Don't ask me. Not not Ted Bundy. There was there was a a serial killer who dressed up as a clown and Oh like, good, good. I need to know that. Did a I definitely voice. needed to know that. Um so clowns like this. Like like I've been to fairs and carnivals. And, you know, professional clowns. There was a clown that came to my middle school and made um, balloon animals. Those clowns, I'm totally fine with. But these, like, specifically... Oh, and also the little clown apocalypse we had, like, a year or two ago. When clowns were just everywhere in woods and freaking people out. You know, that thing that happened. That's mm-hmm. not cool. Like, That's not clowns cool in situations they're not supposed to be in. No, thank you. <clears throat> and the kids just letting them in. They're just standing silent at the door. Ugh. Silent clowns. Be afraid of silent clowns. <laughs> clowns that jump around and go, ha, 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 come right over here. We'll play this little game. Like, that's that's an okay that's an okay clown. Until they start getting psycho. Ugh, I just don't clown. Ugh. Oh, like Ronald McDonald. Like, I've, I've sat next yes. to that Ronald McDonald uh, statue and taken pictures. Like, that's a good that dude's clown. Pretty, pretty chill. <sighs> I'm so not excited. So yeah, that's the episode. <laughs> oh, also, we didn't mention this, but in Salvation, when Sam's having the visions of the child's bedroom, there's mm-hmm. definitely clowns, or at least a clown, in that child's nursery. Mm-hmm. I'm really surprised Sam wasn't like, uh, we can let this one go. Right, guys? Yeah, there's, there's a clown in there. There's <laughs> a clown in there? I mean, it's basically, she's marked for death. She's marked for death. There we go. It's a done deal. It's fate. Can't fight fate. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, I'm not looking for the next episode, Hannah, but I will do it because I love you and I love this show and I love hey, this thing we are building Kindle, together. We got through bugs together. But bugs wasn't scary. I mean, you hate spiders. Spiders for you are worse than clowns, am I right? Yes. Okay, well, you can do this. I'm here. I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for the show. 
doing it for us. I'm doing it for Ellen. <sighs> yes. <laughs> well, if you would like to reach me, beautiful people out there, you can find me on Tumblr at Kindle Abroad or on Instagram at Kindle Kindle Kindle. If all you little weirdos want to contact just me, you can do so on Tumblr at Jailbreak Fiend or Everything Overlord. I'm not going to spell it. We've been here a while. Or <laughs> Instagram, also Jailbreak Fiend. And if you would like to contact both Kindle and I, that's me, Hannah, you can do so at Sisters Talk Brothers at Jamale.com. Oh, the good Jamale. The good Jamale. All right. So. Tune in next week for more monsters, more brothers, and more sisters. Bye-bye. Adios. Audi nose, bitch.